Welcome to the Headset Podcast, where we interview athletes, coaches, and executives in sport today. It is our goal to give you the behind-the-scenes stories of these incredible people's lives, careers, and more importantly, what it is that they do to get their headset to perform. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Headset Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jason Galea, and with me today is an exciting individual. He is the founder and executive director of the Inside Edge Hockey Development Program based in St. Albert, Alberta, Canada. Today we have the one and only Steve Adams, a gentleman who's got a very colorful uh, professional hockey career, and he will share a little bit of that with us today. But his passion after hanging up the axe as a pro is now working with young, developing, and aspiring hockey players in, in Canada. He trains kids from all over. Canada, as well as some kids from the United States that come on up to get the inside edge with an incredible human being. This gentleman is one of those people that you meet once in your lifetime who truly wears his heart on his sleeve. He's an individual that believes in all of those core values that every parent, every coach hopes to pass on to the young kids that they work with. He's a guy that just exudes passion for the game and exudes the all-around excitement of working hard and developing that as a core pillar of who we become as individuals both on and off the ice. He works with both young girls as well as young men. He works with those who are elite athletes in the professional ranks. And if you ever get a chance to check out his website, theinsideedge.net, it would be interesting for you all to see how many young athletes he's worked with. And that's the insideedge.net. Some of the characters that have come through his front doors are incredible people. And, and the quality of athletes that he's had the chance to train and help develop and move on, it's, it's incredible and inspiring. But when I first met this man, one of the most amazing things about him was, or still is, is that he wanted to help so many of the local kids who were situated in central Canada that for many, many decades did not get the attention of big-name schools, big-name programs that could have helped these kids propel their careers to the next level. So what he decided to do with a good friend of his is they put together the Inside Edge Combine. And this is where I first got a chance to meet Steve and, and the people that he works with and see firsthand all of the kids that he was trying to help move on in their careers. And he created the full combine experience for this kid. We're talking the first full head-to-toe combine where hundreds of kids would come on in at different age levels and they would do everything from physical workouts and testing to on-ice skills testing to actually going out and playing in, in games. But not only did he do this and create reports for these kids that could be mailed out to colleges and universities, junior teams, um, elite academies, elite prep schools, but he also flew in Division One and Division Three coaches in hockey to help these kids. But not only help them 
on the ice with instruction and, and tutelage while they're playing, but actually help these kids move on to their dreams of pursuing a scholarship in the United States or going on to playing in some of the elite junior leagues in Canada. This guy saw a need that so many kids were just begging to have, and that's a chance. It's just a chance to show off their skills, show their talents, showcase themselves as young individuals, and, and get that opportunity that they wouldn't normally get or receive because of where they're geographically located. This guy went out above and beyond, brought in sponsors, brought in people who could help these young kids in Central Canada, not only just showcase who they are today, but what they could be tomorrow. And, and the Inside Edge Hockey Development Program is one that is, is one that just pulls on your heartstrings when you learn about it, know about it, and you see the quality and essence of the people behind it. And, and when you can see how many kids they've helped over the years, it's just a, a heart-grabbing experience. When you meet Steve, he is larger than life. He is someone that truly fits the sound of his voice, if that makes any sense. But during our conversation, we discuss coaching today compared to days gone by. We talk about the simplicity of, of developing that hard work that's a core element of success in anything we do, both on and off the ice, just in life as a whole. We talk about what it means to be an athlete today, how athletes have changed and, and developed and grown in so many ways. But we talk about the communication skills, the communication skills that one needs to have to truly make a difference in young athletes' lives today. The stuff that Steve has to share is golden nuggets. He will share so many in any conversation he has that I honestly believe he has no clue how much he enriches the lives of those he works with or just comes across. He, he's got strong opinions, strong beliefs, but he backs them up. He's got strong insights, tons of knowledge, and just wants to share. And he does so in everything he does. He's the big, mean, teddy bear machine that comes into kids' lives and, and you can't help but hug him when you walk into his gym and hug him on the way out. He's the guy that inspires but also backs it up. He's the guy that motivates and also is the one that's there to pick kids up when their confidence is down. He's an incredible human being with great stories, great insights, and great opinions, and, and I hope you enjoy everything that the Inside Edge Hockey Development Program founder Steve Adams shares with us today. All right, everybody. We're back. And, and today I've got not just an incredible guest, but I've got someone who's a dear friend. And uh, I'm going to blow my little friend away right now because he probably doesn't know this. But he and I are coming up to our anniversary. He doesn't know this because I did a little research and we're going on knowing each other um, almost nine years, almost ten years. And... and I know this for a fact because he invited me to his incredible combine camp um, 
April 18th, um, almost 10 years ago, and I have the date in my head. Today, I have not only uh, an, an astute colleague, but a dear friend of mine from Alberta, Canada. I have the one and only Mr. Steve Adams from the Inside Edge Hockey Program. Steve-o, how's it going up north? I'm so happy you're not shoveling snow, is that correct? Yes, the snow has been <laughs> for almost 10 straight days. Oh my god. So, I, got a, I got a question for you though. Give it. Do you remember how we first contacted each other? Do you remember that? No, I am so gonna hold you dinner. I think, I think, and I could be wrong, my wife tells me that at least once a day, um, I think I reached out to you via LinkedIn. No, I reached out to you via LinkedIn because I needed, I was looking for somebody to talk to a couple of players. Ah, uh, yes, dear. You're right again. You're right yes. here. I owe you dinner. I owe you. Okay, now, here we go. Coming right back at you. I think you're going to win this game. What was I wearing when we went, when we met? Oh, well, it's, if you don't know Dr. Jason Galea, the only way to actually, you gotta drink him in, really, with his attire. He was wearing, I believe it was red pants, or orange pants, or green pants. And oh my god. I seen a grown man wear those colors. I didn't even think they were made for human usage, but there they were, being worn by a man that wanted to talk in front of kids. <laughs> it was it was highly questionable. Um, you had a lot of a lot of had a lot of emails. But oh. <laughs> well, seemed to go well. Oh my god! Back and well enough that we invited you back. So. I, I, I can't believe this. So so for those people who, who are going to be seeing and listening to our pod today, um, I got to tell you, everyone, this is like, um, I think, taping number 20. And, and, and if I take all of the get-togethers I've had so far, I haven't laughed as hard as I just did right now. And, um, you know, I, I can honestly say the guy I'm interviewing today, I, I truly love. He, he's one of my, my, my closest friends on the planet. I love him to death. Um, and, and I'm going to toot your horn because you are horrible at it. And yes. I, I'm, I'm just going to say a few things. One, one of the things that's so incredible about what Steve and, and the Inside Edge Hockey Program provide kids in Central Canada is he and, and his colleague uh, work their tail off all year long uh, to pull together resources for kids. Um, for many, many, many years, um, this is how I got in touch with him and, and two of him was children, he would create these incredible combines for kids. And, and he would bring out coaches and assistant coaches from all over the U.S. as well as Canada to help local kids. And, and if you saw what he put together, a workout combine, seminar combine, coaching information combine, parent information combine, on ice practices with coaches plus games where every single game was being coached 
from both benches by at least one, if not two, Division One programs is incredible. Like nothing like this had ever existed in my upbringing. And and what he basically did for those of you who don't know um, the world of hockey is he technically brought water to the desert. He brought water to the desert where in this particular part of Canada, it's hard It's hard to, to go to um, if you're a scout on a limited budget because it's in the middle of nowhere. And, and it used to be that the peripheries of the country is what got all the attention, British Columbia, Toronto, that kind of stuff. And, and what Steve was able to do is help so many kids in so many different ways. And, and not only were kids attaining options for colleges, but even younger kids who would come, they would get scouted and seen at a younger age and, and improve their opportunities in their own hometown. And, and he, he's, he's a big bear of a man who, who's a really big teddy bear and, and he wears his heart on his sleeve and, and, and that's why I love him. And, and I'm just saying all of that and, and I don't care who of our coaching friends see this, they all can bite me. And when I have them on my podcast, I'm going to rip them down the shreds too, so don't you worry. <laughs> Good, as you should. So, so when, when Steve is not working with athletes uh, in the world of ice hockey and helping them move on and, and, and helping create programs which give them exposure, one of the things that he does is he runs one of the top, if not the top, training facility for young, up-and-coming athletes. And, and obviously, specialty is hockey, but if you know the know, you need to know, like they know, that the inside edge is where you go to get trained and get moved on. Because not only are you getting expertise and coaching and off-ice training, but there are so many Division One and elite professional teams that no student has reputation that when they call and check in on a player or they call and they're looking for something, this is the guy that they go to. So, you know, I often get asked, what's the key? Who do you know? Uh, how does it work? I want to move my kid on, blah, 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 blah. Well, the, the key in what you know is you know a guy like him. So having you on today to educate parents and kids and, and maybe even coaches as well about how you do what you do, I think is so valuable. And, and this is great. So. How are things for you, buddy? How, how, how are things uh, in Alberta right now with this thing called COVID? How's that affecting you? Uh, well, it's completely shut down my day-to-day business. So ranks are closed, my my facility's closed. So you try and keep kids busy online with with programs and and things to do. I'm not a computer tech guy. So I'm not a huge fan of online training. I think I think I think it works for some kids, but for a lot of kids, it doesn't work. Uh, so we try to put some basic stuff together to keep kids active. A lot of yoga uh, with with breathing exercises, some meditation stuff, and some workout stuff. But everybody's got different different weights. Different. Some people have stuff. Some people don't. So you try and give them a basic general way of just keeping physically active. Um, it, we're not we're not terrible in Alberta. Certainly, where we are is the, one of the. It doesn't have a big uh, impact right now. Um, 
but so we're slowly starting to open up our economy. So I'm hoping that we're going to open up here in a few weeks. Um, I don't know what hockey like in my business. I'm not sure what hockey's going to look like in terms of in terms of arenas and summer ice and when seasons are going to start for for players. So one of the biggest things I'm working on with players is making sure they have people to talk to, right? Like teenagers don't talk. And primarily, I deal with teenagers, so a lot of teenagers don't want to talk to mom and dad. Uh, so I end up dealing a lot with with kids that are that are, are really trying to figure out the rest of their lives. And these guys are term limited because you only have until a certain amount to get your scholarship or go to play in the Western League or whatever it is. And and they're freaked out and they're they're worried about it. And then you know, with my players, they think about it all the time. And it's like schoolwork and this. And so it's trying to keep them not necessarily just positive, just focusing on that. You can't, you can't control this. All you can control is how ready you are for whenever it happens. And and that's probably the biggest thing I'm working on these kids to, to figure out is all you can do is keep your, like one of the things I think all kids and I'm guilty of it too, is you're incredibly, cause I'm like, I can't go to work. It's, it's, in creating incredibly bad habits, sleep patterns, eating habits. Um, it just, it, it's, it's really dysfunctional. And, and that's what I really get worried about with players is that they're out of their routine. Like my, I have a, a eight, nine year old and, a, and an 11 year old and a 12 year old. And you know, they're not in school, right? They're not, they're not, they're not with their friends. They're not, they're not doing things. So again, they're staying up a little bit later, getting up a little bit earlier. Like it's, so you, you, you're trying to create some form of, of routine, but that's really hard right now. And I think everybody's guilty of it. And you're trying to help kids, but you're just trying basically from my end, I'm trying to let kids know you had a problem. Give me a call. We'll work through it. And, you know, because this is something where a lot of these kids haven't been through something like this, right? They haven't been on any kind of shutdown. Like this, the only thing I can really equate this to is 9-11, right? They, something that, that, that earth stopping, right? And in, and, but this has lasted longer, right? And so a lot of kids haven't been through something like this. So they don't understand it and they don't know and it's all negative and, now it's all on Twitter and it's all, oh, this person's lying and this is, so social media plays a huge negative role into this. And, you know, so I, I feel bad for kids like because we haven't set them up well to deal with stuff like this. So it's amazing what you're talking about. Like you, you, you pulled in some incredible, incredible points. Like, I mean, you know, all that you can control is how ready you are, which is phenomenal the way you put that. I mean, it's not only accurate, honest, but it's empowered. But when you talk, when you talk about, you know, what, what kids are going through, um, it's it's really scary because I can't tell you how many coaches I've talked to, program directors I've talked to, at high school, college, and and, and they're lost. They're, they're <laughs> like, I, I know that you you're well aware of some of the programs that exist in the NCAA. That have been going back and forth with the idea of, you know, do we bring our seniors back? Mm-hmm. Do, do do we bring seniors back? 
And yesterday alone, I'll tell you something that, 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 you, that you don't know. Um, I was talking to um, an Olympic hopeful, and she technically just graduated from Berkeley. And um, her, her goal was to be trying out for her third time for the Olympics now in 2021, this year, but it's 2021. And we started down the road of, you know, would you consider going back for your senior senior year? And and it's interesting, right? Because the athletes they focus in on that. Yeah, now maybe I, I can really dial it up, but who knows what I can do for me, right? But what's missing in all of that is the reality of: Are you ready to sign up for four more classes? Five more classes, or ten more? Are you really, are you willing to do that, right? And and you and I have a mutual colleague. Uh, who, who coaches at uh, a very prestigious institution in the world of engineering. And, you know, in talking to him, his response is, well, how do I tell a guy who's ready to make an incredible salary out of, out of college as an engineer, put that on the shelf and come back and play in it? Like, well, how, how do you do that, right? Yeah. And I, I guess my question to you would be, because you're in this, because you're talking to coaches weekly about mm-hmm. helping their programs. How... Is it even feasible for them to talk that way? Because if you bring a guy back and you're bringing in guys, now you've got a calamity of mess of guys now. Potentially, yeah. your team roster isn't 26 anymore. It could be, I don't know, 32. I, I don't know, right? So, like, well, is it that, feasible to do that? It is. Um, some schools carry large, large rosters. Um, so it's going to be it's going to depend on each school and where they are with money and what they want to offer i mean if you're you know this is like if you're graduating at harvard or princeton or you know whatever your milwaukee school of engineering and you've got a ninety-seven thousand, hundred and dollars a year job yeah you should probably take it but sometimes you're going to graduate with communications right which is fine but you know, they don't really know what they're going to be in the next year. So it's like, okay, well, I can come back, take some extra courses, right? Do the minimum. Uh, I still have a decent, if they have decent money offered, great. And then, and then I, but I now I maybe win a national championship at North Dakota or Wisconsin, Penn State or Michigan or whatever, whatever school it is, it feels like I got a shot at it before maybe this kid that, he gets an extra year of hockey where maybe he wasn't going to be an NHL guy or an AHL guy or a, or a high-end European player. Like, I, I understand it, and coaches get greedy too, right? Like, I can bring this guy back. I can defer one of my 18-year-olds to play another another year of college or another year of junior before he comes in. And like, I have a player right now that he's had a scholarship since he's been 14, 15 years old, and they wanted to bring him in this year, but when this all happened, they're going to bring back some guys that they thought they were going to lose to pro hockey early, but they didn't sign. They want to play another year. And so they just told this kid, we want you to stay back another year, right? We want you to stay. And then when we're going to graduate out of all of these guys, there's going to be a bigger role for you to play. And you get an extra year of juniors, so don't rush, which I think is important. So I... I think it just comes down to how 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 close you feel your team is, right? How how close is your team? Are you you're not just going to bring back guys for the sake of bringing them back? But if you can bring back a kid 
that's one of the top players in, in the country, of course you should bring him back, right? If he's not signing in the NHL, right? And, you know, if he's a really good college player, but maybe not an elite level pro player, absolutely bring him back, right? I, I, I guess my, my big question with that, right, is you, you give an incredible perspective as, as that of a GM. Like when I hear you talk, I, I hear general manager. And yeah. because what you, what you did in, in at least two out of the three statements you made there a few seconds ago, is you're saying, like, if you've got a shot, then do this. And that's what the top GMs and presidents of the teams do. They, they assess what they have and say, okay, is it really worth making that, that extra run, that out-of-the-box run, that out-of-the-box move, right? I guess I wonder what happens when you have that coach who's been with a guy or, or a guy mean guy or girl in the city yeah. with somebody for four years. Yeah. And, and maybe five years because maybe the person registered, right? Yeah. This was going to be their big year and now it's gone. Yeah. You, you think with your head or your heart at that opportunity, that moment, right? You back. Yeah, but I, but I think that goes to the player coach relationship. Like, like is it? And are you close? Right? Like, are, what are you going? Like, if you're a player, what are you going back for? There right? You, there you like, go. Are you just going back because you can take two classes, and you know the old Matt Liner took 11 a.m. ballroom dancing his his senior year, like his fifth year, right? Instead of going in the draft, right? Um, you know, so it depends. Like, if you're on a really powerhouse team, you got really good recruits coming in, you're a really high-end guy, you're going to get more ice time with even better players or a deeper roster. Or are you going, are you going back because you just want to you want to just hang out and be with the guys and you don't want to start life? And there's guys like that. And there's girls like that. Everybody's like that. Yeah, yeah. I get a year. If your scholarship's good. Like, I had, a, I had a player's mom call me and she was talking to me and and we were talking kind of about schools and everything. And, and she says, yeah, one of my friends, she's a Canadian girl that has a scholarship on, in, in one of the schools in Alabama on golf. And uh, she, because her last season's canceled, she's already graduated. And they came back with her and said, listen, you can come back for next year, but it's gonna run you 40,000 US a year or for the year, right? So 40K, so with the Canadian dollar, with what it is, add 30% to that, right? So now you're looking at 60,000, something like that, right? And uh, when it's all said and done, and she's like, I'm not playing in the LPGA, I'm not good enough, but I've graduated, I have a good degree, I wanna move on with my life and I don't wanna put my parents 40, 50, $60,000 in the hole just so I can do this again but she loved her school she loved the coaches she loved everything but it was time to move on and you're going to get to that point where every player is going to be a little different every coach is going to think a little bit differently right and and it will depend on the relationship you have with the coach and it's going to depend on the 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 relationship you have with your school like are you really tied into that school some people are some people aren't um you know so it's it's really every player every coach is going to have a different philosophy on what they want to do and um and i i I think that's but i think it's somewhere players got to realize what am i giving up 
by staying? And then what am I giving up by going? Right? Yeah, it, it's, 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 yeah. Like, you know, I, I just feel so bad for, for the athletes in this scenario. I, I really, yeah. I really, I feel for the coaches as well. Cause I, 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 to me, they're, they're one and the same, right? Because, yeah. you know, especially if you've had a player that, that's been there for, for so long, yeah. And, and you know, you know how you know how those conversations go, right? Next year's gonna be your year. Next year you're gonna be our our star. Yeah. You're gonna be our, our guy, right? And then it doesn't happen, right? It yeah. doesn't happen. And and it's like, oh yeah. And you feel like you've made that commitment because you have that relationship with that athlete yeah. that I yeah, I can't even imagine the pain of what that's like. I just can't. Yeah. I don't. I don't. No, it's it's going to be hard. It's it's such a huge, important four or five years of your life. But there's also a point where college, university is supposed to mature you, so you should be able to oh, now look at it past past the 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 fun of it and go, okay, I'm going to come back, but I'm going to get half of my masters done. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna take extra classes in something else I'm interested in, but if you're just going back to to win some games and put up some numbers, and you know take some crap classes, if I'm a coach, I don't want that, right? Like I want I want kids that want to be focused in. Now, if you're if you're gonna give me 75 points next year, yeah, I'll, I'll probably take any second for all I care. I can do right yeah. but if you're going to be a good locker room guy senior that's going to be you know half a point a game guy then you might be a little bit more of a disruption to my seniors and juniors and even freshmen sophomores you know my underclassmen guys I I really I would really question do I really want that right so again it's going to go on the relationship it's going to go with where your recruiting class is at are you a school that recruits older kids or younger kids mm-hmm. like there's a whole bunch of things that are going to go into that that every school is going to be a little bit different and and then but the other i think the other big one will be how much money's left over for you to come back right well, and, and there lies the big question right which kind of got this ball rolling down the hill for us right because there's a limit to everything, you know. There's a limit to everything in terms of what they can and can't provide, right? Now, for me, I, I never really understood the whole budget thing because I've always looked at it as a former college professor myself. What's adding another chair in the classroom? Yeah. I mean, like, come on, like, we're, we're, how schools can can make that boast about that? It just makes my head hurt. But. To me, where I do see, you know, the, the money going out is, you know, you got to put this person up in residency. Mm-hmm. You got to feed the person, right? Then, yeah. Like those little tidbits there as a program director, um, yeah. you know, I know those costs are not imaginable, right? Like, nope. if we put you in dorm five, in room three, two, one, that that's coming out of our budget, right? Yeah. So you got to pay for that. Yeah. How many of those rooms can you afford, right? And and, and well, well, and in and in hockey, it's even worse because you got to build an arena, right? Now you're going to different, you're going to a different rabbit hole down there. You're totally right. Yeah, and the cost, yeah, of and the cost of yeah, life. 
you it's run 24 7 it's not a football field where you just turn off the lights right so you're 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 running the refrigeration unit and you know you got staff maintenance right you got there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts to it right and so it gets expensive it gets it gets it gets hard because you're not making money in hockey like you're just you're not like like even the best programs in hockey you're not like North Dakota does fine Michigan does fine but 99% of them are not making you know there's not a big TV deal right there's not it's not college football it's not college basketball right it's it's a limited sport with limited viewership so it makes it very difficult right and so it's it's it, it's it's a lot of cost to run that because you can have a football field with a soccer field on it you can have a soccer field with a lacrosse field on it you can have multi-purpose stuff but here you can't it's you're kind of stuck right well, and, and, and you know like, like this is, is one of the reasons why i'm so excited to get you on to talk today um, because you have such a unique, unique perspective on things. You're you're in the trenches, one on one, face to face, ear to ear, with top athletes that are going all around the country. That are going to be going professional. Some even in Europe. Like you're you're there. You're also right in the middle of dealing with coaches at the most elite level that every parent would dream would one day send a letter to their kid or an email to their kid. You're in the mecca of it. And in many ways, my, my joke behind your back, and I can only play this because we're 5,000 miles away, I know you can't hurt me today, is you're the AT&T operator. And, yeah. and, and, and my joke, every time we get together and, and guys talk and, and they say things about how awesome you are, I just tell them, like, he's the AT&T operator. Like, he, there's, he's got more connections with people, like the old, you know, circuit board, switchboard that we saw when we were kids. That's you. And I guess... In saying this to you, right, knowing as much as you do, what do you think about the season ahead? What, what like, I can't even imagine, because you're also dealing with minor hockey, too, minor sports, right? So, like, you're not just the the, the bus shelter for the elite guy. You're you're also the terminal. Yeah. No one's coming in before they just over. So, like, what do you think is going to happen now? Well, first off, one, uh, I've been called a lot of A words before. Awesome is not usually one of them, but we'll move on. Uh, <laughs> PG here, coach. It's PG. <laughs> yeah, I get called that one more at home and actually everywhere else I go. So, um, but that's the thing. Like, I, I talk to coaches every day at all different levels across, across Western Canada and the U.S., and quite frankly, nobody knows. Yeah. And uh, Washington State just came in. They're not having any large crowd gatherings until like all of it's banned all of September. And they may be able to walk it back. But and I just read that uh, um, the uh, the NCAA as a whole can't dictate to schools when they can open. Like it's up to each university college president. So, and they're bored, I would imagine. Um, so that's like, can you have, like if you're in the Big Ten in hockey, can you have three schools open and the other ones are shut down? Like nobody knows, like it's crazy. And and so you, you, you're, you're stuck, but this is where we get back to the players and they don't know. 
right? Like I got, I got a kid that's still doing classes at his university in, in Boston and, uh, you know, and it's like he's still online and he, he was basically told that as it stands right now, I don't expect to be here till January, right? Because you can't have school sports until all the, all the kids can be on campus, right? So if you, but it, what's the point of having them on campus? You can't have them at a game. Right. Well, you know, like, like, buddy, from from your lips to God's ears, you know, um, something you don't know is this morning um, a conversation I had with, was with a guy who's a, a program director for for one of the millions of, of programs the National Hockey League puts up. And this guy and I have known each other for about a year, and um, he he he's right in the middle of it. This poor guy, like, he lives in Manhattan. And, yeah. and I asked him, you know, the question of, hey, has, has, has this thing affected you? And his mom, who's 80 years old, um, she contracted the COVID. And yeah. she also has some form of respiratory issue yeah. before all of this. She got in, she was in there for a couple of days, and knock on wood, thank God, she got out. And she's home, and she's doing well. Thank God. So here's a guy who's working for the National Hockey League, and he's in the middle, like he's downtown New York City working at the headquarters every single day, from home now, obviously, but he's in there. Whose mom was directly affected by this? And I'm asking him, as of two hours ago, what do you know? And it's like, I don't know. I don't know, right? Where I see some confusion, you know, back east, and we're seeing it uh, west here as well, is when you have the mixture of what you're talking about now with public versus private institutions. Mm -hmm. The the public institution, I think, is going to have a little bit more leeway to put their hands back and say, it is what it is. Yeah. It's what it is, and we can only do what we can do. And and, uh, it's funny. It's funny. Because um, my wife had this Jerry Seinfeld uh, episode on last night, and he did a whole shtick on how the saying he hates most in the world is, it is what it is. <laughs> right? It is what it is, and it's going to be what it's going to be. But I don't think we have any words to no. describe this, because what we're seeing right now, at least on the West Coast, is when you have that combination of a private institution and a public institution. The public institution is always going to take, in their mind, the high road for protection because of the liability issues. Mm-hmm. Private is like, you know what? Our pockets and our well of, of reserve is only so deep. Like, we're going to have to say we got to give her because yeah. we can't risk keep going like this. Yeah. So, like, you wonder at what point, you know, you wonder at what point enough is going to be enough, and they say it is, again, Jerry Seinfeld's hated line, it is what it is. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I believe, I made a comment to an athletic director this week, and she's a, a very, very well-known athletic director in San Diego, and she's put together a program called um, NationalAVResorts.com. Her name's Amanda Waters. And, and she's got, I don't know how many hundred of athletic directors across the country that can get at the high school level to talk about this problem. And my thought to her was this, and I wonder if you remember this as a kid. 
we're pretty close in age. I remember Toronto going in to a rink one day, and my mom saw this big sign. It was in red, and it was says it said something not so much heads up, but it said you know uh, update. And what it was, long story short, was a notice to the public person walking in, saying, "Hey, listen, it's important you know that our facility is run on ammonia." Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and this was when they came with all the new ways of yeah. rinks and, and whatnot, right? And ammonia, just like the infomercials you see for pharmaceutical companies, it's linked to headaches, it's linked to yeah. stomach ache, blah, 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 right? I shared this with her. And, and, and I said to her, you know, we've already gone through, like my generation, the Canadian kid, he's already gone through something like this. And I wonder if that is going to be the key to moving on. It's that form that says, listen, we're going to do our best to keep it under so many people in the building. We're going to clean every hour. But at the end of the day, you either feel comfortable coming in or you don't. And I yeah. wonder if it's going to be that that brings it back. I don't know. I, I, and, and, that's, and that's the ultimate discussion is that, again, you're here you have an arena that costs you, you know, X amount of dollars to run. And so per hour, it costs X. So say for me, it's $300 an hour, right? Mm-hmm. But I want to have, you know, 30 hours of ice. So, and I need to make X for this and jerseys and insurance and instructors and you know, and I still want to make it, my biggest flaw is that I actually want to make things affordable for families, right? You shouldn't have to spend $1,000 or $1,500 for for hockey. We're not putting a man on the moon here, right? Like, this isn't rocket science. God bless, brother. God bless. So it's, so you, you, you factor all that in. Like, I know Burnaby Winter Club just opened up their rink. They can have a max with an instructor, five people on the ice. Okay, at three hundred bucks an hour. All right, they they uh, they really like what? And they can't be together. They have to be six, ten, fifteen feet apart, or whatever. It's like, what are you learning? But here's my problem: is that you're not going to be able to really teach anything because you're not going to get close enough, right? So you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna be kind of away from a player, but you're gonna get to a point where whether your community or like public owned or privately owned, you're gonna have to get, like I couldn't run a camp with four kids on the ice. Like I could, but like I would just donate my time. You, you, it's gonna be a thousand bucks a kid, right? Like, like you, yeah, you, because you, the ice for the long. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. that's just covering all the things you need to have in place before you can even go on the ice yeah. with a bag of pops. And the, the other big one will be, um, insurance policies yeah. right yeah. if there's no vaccine and seven-year-old kid and i said this from the very beginning is that my biggest fear is that they open up an arena opens up and heaven forbid a seven eight nine ten year old kid gets sick and passes away from covid they you're never getting insurance for hockey you're never gonna have hockey for the rest of the year and oh, you're, 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 
Yeah, but the syndrome now with kids now, right? They in New York City. Have you seen that? The, the yeah, yeah. Five kids who are in the hospital now with yeah. parts of their body inflamed. It's it's scary. Yeah. It's scary. It is, and so, but the, but again, you become this. Everybody's talking about their own personal thought processes of what it's going to be, but nobody has any idea, right? Like nobody can sit here and go. Okay, this is the plan. What the plan may be for Alberta, because they'll come in for us, will not be the same that Montana has. And it will not be the same as BC. It will not be the same as Saskatchewan. It won't be the same in California or New York or Toronto or 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 Texas or Florida, anywhere. So everybody's gonna have something different. And and so but that's where a lot of the fear mongering can come in and the and the depression, I'm really worried about depression for kids because it's like, oh man, I won't be able to play this year and then what, and oh my God, and then and then the whole world starts crashing down around them and then you go in and throw in isolation on top of it, right? Like it's terrifying what some of these kids are dealing with because they don't want to feel weak and they don't want to feel soft and you know, they want to tough it through and, 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 that, and that's great, but there's also a point where you got to talk about it. Right? This is so foreign. This isn't like a bad day at school. This is a really messed up way of things, right? Yeah. And and so you 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 really worry about the kids because you go on and it's like it's just I was on Twitter earlier and and I'm just about done with Twitter and and they've got people on there like people in and around my neighborhood and in my area are like oh, we should just open it up and see what happens. And, oh, we can't do this. And, oh, you can't. They just bicker back and forth. And about what should be the extreme or the other, right? But it's like, it's got to come back. we got to get sports back. we got to, like, there isn't a junior hockey team. Pro teams, the only reason pro teams won't open up is so that they don't have to pay back billions of dollars in TV revenue. That's the only reason. If if the TV network said, no, you guys can keep the money, don't worry about it. Because one of the TV contracts has it is that if you have to cancel the season, we get the next season for free. Oh, wow, man. And and, and see, that that, that might be something that a lot of people just don't know. We don't know. But that's what they're worried about. But players are worried about it too, certainly in hockey, because they wanted a bigger piece of the pie. They wanted a 51-50 split of the revenues. Players getting 51, I think it is. And, but they have to take escrow. So they get money taken off. If they're making too much on the on the side of the money, on their side, they got to pay it back. And and so they want to get back because next year the salary cap's going to go down because revenues will be way lower. And then the owners aren't going to make as much, and they're paying out more to the players, so the players are going to get dinged with escrow, and they're freaked out about it. And, and so – it becomes a money grab. That's all it is. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to open because I didn't give a crap about the money. I honestly cut. I just, I don't give a rip from that. But I want the kids in the gym working out. I want them to get rid of some of their frustration. I want to help them get ready. I want to get them kind of working with each other and, quite frankly, against each other in some good competition because we don't foster that. In this environment, we're not fostering that. It's, it's the cower in fear. And, and, you know, and certainly I can only attest for what I do, but I don't teach players how to cower in fear. I teach them how to run at things head on and face your fear. 
Because if you don't, screw you. I don't want you on my team, right? Like, they'd be, they'd be mentally stronger. And, yeah, you know, I was probably not politically correct and all that garbage. But, you know, it's just, like, learn how to be tough. Learn how to grind. Learn how to get up and dust yourself off and get back in the batter's box, right? Like, you know, and, and that's what I worry about kids is that it's – they've lost the social aspect it's all screen time it's there's no more competition in them it's it's kind of soft and so you you get a little concerned about that right and 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 it's all fear mongering it's all negative there's no positive stories out of this from a sports spectacle you know the NFL's trying I mean they're just making stuff up as they go really the season schedule release party like really that's a three hour TV event oh, like, and, and you can't even bank on that right like it, 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 no, it, you can't even bank on that but you know the, the thing that we have here and you have there too is you're talking about a company a company that owns bare minimum what three arguably four days of all that you see on television like they yeah, are, yeah. yeah they're huge Three to days of that's what everybody's waiting for. That's right. That's that's what everybody's waiting for. How does the NFL make this work? Right? How does it, how does it how do they make it work? And then what can we learn from? Yeah. And that's gonna be the interesting thing. But you know, the kids listening to this, whether you're in Canada, the US, whatever sport you play, just focus in on you. Like really, like focus in on you getting better. Because at the end of the day, whether you're like you scout or you want to get recruited you want to do any of those things they're going to ask what you did during this crisis like what did you do every day keep a journal of what you've done right show what you've done video what you've done show what I've done this is day one this is day 60 this is day 90 whatever it is show how competitive you are one of the, the the cool things about the last dance is people are now figuring out that oh, high high end athletes are pretty they're they're pretty relentless on how good they want to be, yeah. right? They're, they fire doesn't die. Everything. It's not a sometime win. It's an everyday win, right? And you, you bring up some amazing amazing points here when you talk about the value of sport and the value of social interaction value of training that interaction and and you know you, you made a couple of points that a lot a lot a lot of professional division one junior coaches uh, elite recreational elite amateur coaches are saying and, and we're noticing a, a change in today's app today's app and, and and this could be you and I putting on our old varsity jackets from back in the day saying you know, when I was your age, you know, oh, yeah. we, ran, we ran up the hill going both ways, back and forth to school, right? Um, I guess that the big question I have for you in, in, in building the relationships that you do, because you're a huge relationship guy, and, mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder what are the challenges of working with today's athlete? Because today's athlete is just so, it, it, it's so different, you know? and, and I went to a conference about three years ago in St. Louis, and it was one of yeah. these like, like high-level hockey, blah blah blah, whatever. It was like yeah. the highest level certification. You know. 
And they had a guy there that is the, he had a fancy title for his name, but, but he was a really good speaker. And technically his term is, he's the skills and development guy for yeah. the Blackhawks. Yeah. And someone asked him the same question I'm asking you, and his response was, I'm working with this guy, maybe you've heard of him, he's not bad with skill. His name is um, yeah, King, Patrick King. And, and he says, I work with this other guy who's you know, pretty good too, you know, his name is John Tate. And he talks about one of the big things that he's had to learn is technology. Mm-hmm. It was like, ha- I have to get good with, with being able to use an iPad or text yeah. right? So that was his I'm wondering for you, because you're more of, of the relationship guy who does the training, yeah. what, what is the challenge for you? What is the challenge working with today's athlete? Um, I, I think I think every coach has to be better with technology. Um, I know I'm trying. I I we have like a couple iPads or tablets or whatever the hell they're called, but we, we keep them here so that when we can when we're videoing a guy doing a particular exercise or a particular movement, we can critique it. Right? Um, it, it's crude and it's it's elementary, but. It gives them a visual because they are such visual learners now. Guys, and certainly most male players, most males are visual learners anyway. But it's really escalated quite high. So, like, I don't work with a ton of female athletes, but the really high end ones, the ones that I have, are really high end. They have kind of the same mentality in terms of wanting the feedback. What I find the the players. The players today, and, and I can only speak to hockey, but I find that the kids today are very much, they, and every coach says, they want more information. They want more instant feedback. They want the 280 character feedback instantly, right? They, 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 that's what they've grown up with. You, you put something on Twitter and then boom, you're gonna get instant comments, right? Um, the, the problem I find is that they'll, they'll want the feedback and you'll say, okay, instead of going, you, instead of you, the, what I wanted you to do is go from A to B. And you kind of went from, you went from A to C to B. And then the player will go, and then you point it out to the player, and the player will go, yeah, yeah, I know, I got it. And I'm like, what do you mean you got it? Right? Like, you didn't get it. So, then you have them do it again, and instead of going A to C to B, they would go A kind of, and then they'll, they'll, they'll deviate a little bit, make it a little bit of a correction, not all go all the way to C, but then end up at B. Like, see, I did it. Well, no, you kind of did it. So put it in football terms, you're running a post pattern as a wide receiver. So you run down, you make your cut on the post, and then you just stop. I'm like, look, I did it. Well, kind of. You did forty percent of it, right? Right. Right. And so then mentally they move on, right? So I, I find with them is that with with today's player because of they move and switch from they don't hold big conversations they struggle with it. Um, having them hold their concentration level and going, this is I need you to do this, but we don't need to do it. Just 
one, two, or three times. We need to do it 50 times and give you different scenarios. So we're gonna learn it so that you know like the back of your hand at a, at a, at a decent pace level. And then we're gonna add in some, some pressure. Then we're gonna add in uh, an obstacle. We're gonna add in um, a change of pace or direct, like we're gonna, we're, gonna, we're gonna flower off of the stem. Here's the stem. This is the first segment. Then we're gonna add in different variations to it. And, but I don't find players today have that kind of concentration level. But quite frankly, I don't think coaches have great drills anymore. And I think it's gone into, we wanna, and I talk to midget coaches about this a lot in midget, where it is really something where they want practice to look like it's busy. Doesn't mean it's good, it just looks busy. So we call them flow drills. So it's looping around and it's cute and it looks great. And then you go, okay. So I always, I always, and the parents are like, oh, practice look great. I'm like, really? What did they learn? Right. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, so if the puck goes down into the corner and then it pulls over and you're supposed to loop around, the other guy's looping around. I'm like, tell me how many times your kid did a stop and start. Well, they didn't. Wow. What does the coach always preach to your kids during the game? stops and starts so how many times you do it in practice so i don't find the coaches not all but they a lot of them they don't practice what they preach in a game what they want in a game is not what you practice but i think the players now the biggest thing i struggle with is if it's not a set designed camp or a set designed program they really struggle on their own so I always ask kids, I'm like, I'll ask 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-olds, okay, we, we, we have a 7 a.m. practice, and it's not 55 below up here, right, in the middle of November or December, but I'll, I'll ask them, I'm like, it's a nice day outside. How many of you guys went out the next morning? I'll ask them at our game or practice, whatever we have. How many of you guys went out the outdoor ice? And they're like, well, we didn't. Well, why not? because I never thought of it. I wanted to be on my iPad. I wanted to hang out by myself. I want to watch Netflix. But I remember coming home and this is where you get into, oh yeah, we did this. We didn't have great video games. I had a ColecoVision. It sucked. <laughs> <laughs> you're lucky. You're, you're, you're lucky. I'll, t- I'll tell you this story. Like, like Pong, really? Like cute. Let me tell you something. My old man tried to pass off Pong as in television. Do you understand? Like, you don't understand. The thing that he hated most about that thing that he brought home, not only did the game suck with two sticks, but like yeah. couldn't throw anything afterwards, right? No. You, you bring up some really yeah, But I wanna finish. I wanna I wanna I wanna finish on this. So so I remember you we'd have a seven in the morning practice and across the street from my house where I grew up in Red Deer, Alberta, about two hours south of where I live now, we had an outdoor rink. But that was our meeting place. And this is what I was thinking about when, when you asked me to come on the, po- the podcast. I was like, our group chat was physically a group at an arena. That yeah. was the only way we could get together, right? Like, like, that was our group chat. So we would go out there and we would hang out. And you would hang out with the older kids and some of the younger kids. And you'd be out there five, six, seven hours. Like you get out there at 8, 30, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning and you would go until 7, 8 o'clock at night. 
and you you maybe run home and grab something to eat, or your parents would bring something. And it would become a social event. Like some of the moms would call, or dads would call. Hey, let's meet up with the kids, and we'll bring them some food. And we'll hang out, okay? And but that was our that was our social event, right? Like that was our group chat place. And and kids don't do that anymore. It's so rare. Like I build an outdoor rink. My kids now can tie their own skates. But they don't go out and use it enough for how much how much time and effort and money I put into it. I mean, it's not. It's like some of these people build ice palaces in their backyard, right? They like, literally pack snow and freeze it. Like it's not, you know, I'm not laying down tarps and everything. But they don't use it enough. They used it, but not enough. And it was really cold this winter, so I give it. I, I you know, I, I get it. Like it's cold, but it's like, you know, oh, we don't have a skate shack. I had a picnic table. That's what we had. We had a picnic table. ColecoVision <laughs> sucked. So you're not to stay inside. It's like, this is a terrible decision. So you go out and you, you play. But I mean, I broke my collarbone out there. I, like, I broke an arm out there. A buddy of mine wouldn't get out of the way. So I hit him with a puck and he fractured his orbital bone. We were like 10, right? Like, those are the war stories you come home with, right? Yeah. But we don't have that anymore. Let's wear your helmets everywhere. And I get it, it's all great and everything, but man, we don't force kids to deal with any kind of grit level, right? And we don't force them to grind. We don't for you can't fail in school. It's okay. Everybody's this false confidence. It's always a pat on the head, right? Always we go through every coaching comment. I get this one. This is what I hate. This is one of the things I hate. Uh, so I was at a coaching conference for, I don't know, some level. And uh, the, co- the coaching guy is like, you got to remember, it, who's coaching girls? And like, I put up my hand because my daughter's on my team. It was a co-ed team. We had another girl on the team. So I put up my hand. And he's like, and I knew the guy. And, and he's like, so how do you teach uh, girls hockey different than boys hockey? I said, I don't. Well, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't. He said, you, I said, he goes, well, you have to. I said, oh, okay. So, but he's a school teacher and I knew this. And I said, well, you're a school teacher, right? And he goes, yeah. So how do you teach math differently from boys to girls? He's like, well, I don't. Why? Why don't you teach them differently? Like, like we teach girls hockey that happen, like we teach hockey to girls, right? <laughs> to be a girl right like it's the same rules right like, yeah there's a different thought process but everybody has a different thought process and, and but we but that's just it we, we we smooth out and we make exceptions and we we try and make it easier and everything's positive I always ask I remember coaching my son when he was five and I would ask him I'd ask all the kids what's the most important thing in hockey and they'd be like having fun and I'm like okay and I'm like is it fun when the when you don't have the puck and they're like no is it fun when you're not skating really fast no okay so what's fun having the puck and skating fast and then what is that that's fun and then all of a sudden practices become faster and you teach them and you, you know but once they get the hang of it let them go 100 miles an hour make a mistake at 100 miles an hour and then we got options. 
Well, you, if you're only allowed to screw up at half speed, my God, you'll never get to another level, right? It's, it's interesting. Like, you, you string together so many different points. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm wicked off. I love it because you, you, you're that little engine man, it, that little engine that turns into the via rail train, like this. It's just it's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, like, you should make motivational CDs if they even do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. But to, 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 to be very, to be accurate and to be professional, to be honest, like, listen to the things that you're talking about. When we talk about challenges, you're talking about today's coach, teacher, they have to understand how kids learn. Mm-hmm. They have to understand how they learn. Not not the way they want to learn, but how they learn. And we know that just from teaching 101, right, in basic psychology, we learn three different ways. Seeing it, hearing it, doing it, right? Yeah. And, and a good coach, I believe, is a good teacher. Because yeah. you can hone in on how that girl, that guy, wants to be taught. You know, yeah. I didn't quite get it. Can you show me again, right? And that could be either demoing or whatever, right? So it, it's having the relationship so we can develop that rapport, so that you can find yeah. out, fine-tune, how does this kid learn? Mm-hmm. It's being comfortable, getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah. That you can be a more effective teacher because, again, this guy could turn around and he's with the Chicago Blackhawks and he can go to these two guys who are NHL All-Stars and say, listen, this is how I do what I do. Like yeah. it, I like it or lump it. Right? This is how I do what I do. Yeah. So you guys got to fit into my box. But he didn't yeah. do that. He went outside of his box to be a better coach for his athletes. But then yeah. on top of that, you also talk about something that, that, that I think got glazed over. And you talked about how do we create good lessons mm-hmm. so that when I'm teaching, in a way that's effective for that kid that yep. is able to extrapolate the information and apply it in different ways. Yep. So rather than assuming that yep. the kid understands the lesson, how can we create maybe uglier scenarios, things that don't look yep. good, smell good, feel good? How do we create those scenarios, which are the lessons? Yeah. That will help the kid apply the knowledge mm-hmm. I'm trying to pass on, right? Yeah. Away from the fluff, let's get yeah. the roll your sleeves up hard stuff, yeah. right? Well, but then at the last point that you made, which I think is so good, like in, in, in your sequence is amazing. Getting to know the kid, figuring out how they listen and, and uh, how they understand, how they learn. Yeah. To number three, challenging them in different ways to apply that information. Yeah. But number four, which I think is so freaking huge, what you said is challenge them. Yeah. Let bad things happen. Let's yeah. they can apply the knowledge, right? Yeah. Let's let them fall down a little bit. Yeah. And let them pick themselves back up. Yeah, and you don't have to you don't have to correct them every time. Let them go through it two or three times, but they all go through this Hockey Canada or even USA Hockey. Okay, so we got seven minutes for this drill, four minutes from this drill, and then you rotate or whatever. And it's like, okay, but if they're not getting it, why the hell would I move on to another drill? Like, 
It's so funny. That's the point. It's like getting okay. You got three, Billy. You got three out of ten on this math test. So next week we're gonna have a harder math test. So good luck, right? Like we we take the again. We want it to look pretty and have a practice plan and. You know, and I get all that, and that's cute and everything, but I always ask players, what did, and we'll go around the room, what did you learn today? Not just what you got better at today, but what did you learn today? Like, and it could be, and, you know, and they'll be like, oh, we learned how to stop, or we learned how to do this, or we learned how to do this. And I was like, no, no, no. And then I was telling them, like, go a little deeper. And it was like, oh, I learned how to delay. I learned how to fake with my forehand and push a puck. I learned how to... 360 spin. I learned how to lean on my edges. I learned that stuff, right? Like really getting them, you know, and these are seven and eight year olds, right? Or six and seven, getting them to think really finite. And, and, but then you, then you question them on top of that. Okay. What does that mean? You're learning to find your edges. What does that mean? Right. And they got to think, right. But what all, what, what eventually happens is that those kids come along really quickly because they actually understand what the hell they're talking about. And so what, what I've always said was, I can sit there and pat you on the head and tell you you're doing a great job when you, you know you've done a crappy job, right? So I call it false confidence. I'm going to give you false confidence. Great job, Jenny. That was awesome. And Jenny put zero effort into it. So all I've done is empower Jenny to go, well, no matter how bad I am, I don't need to work very hard to get praise. But then it sends to the other person in line on, oh, I don't have to go very hard either. I'm not ever going to get in trouble, right? But, but your point is ginormous. Your point is ginormous because there are going to be people that will listen to this. And mm-hmm. I'm pissed if I didn't say this, they're going to go, well, you know, this guy is talking about dealing with, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, pros, right? And you're not because no. you, you work with kids, your kids. And I, you know, I coach my kids. Yeah. But yeah. the people who are going to throw rocks at you are yeah. the ones that say, well, what about the positive encouragement? What about, you know, building up the confidence Right. And, but what I hear you saying is something completely different. I hear you saying something where you are addressing confidence, you are building your self-esteem up, but you're doing it in a more accurate and scientific way by being genuine, by being focused, laser focused on a point. This is what I always tell people. He said, if you're married or girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is, right? How many times do you tell your wife you love her? Oh. All the time, right? How many times do you like really mean it? Right? Dude, like, dude. <laughs> like, I gotta put my phonies on. I, I tell my wife all the time I love her. But it's almost like a like it's just a regurgitation. Right? I love her with more than anything in the world. But it's like, yeah, I love you. Okay, it's like a high five. It's not it's not deep. So but when I when a kid accomplishes something, when a kid accomplishes something, we're over the moon. We're like, did you see that? Did you see what you did? 
Did you see what you accomplished? Did you, and these are seven-year-olds or my daughter's team that's nine and 10. Did you see what you just did, right? And I always tell kids, and in, in the, I'm, I'm, I'm a loud guy, right? And I'm a pretty intense guy. Like, I, I kind of go, like, like, this is a, it's hurtful kind of guy. That's what I'm swearing, right? But like, I'll, I'll like, like with my really young kids, with my son's team, it was like the first rule we taught him is what's the first thing you do with you when you get the puck? And and the kids are like, you shoot it away or you shoot it up the board. I'm like, no. The first thing you do is move your feet. So we would create drills just based on that. Because hockey's more fun. I said, do you like hockey with or without the puck? With the puck. So why do you get it? And the first thing you do is shoot it away to go get it back. That's insane. It's an insane theory. So we would teach them, attack the puck, attack the puck, hunt pucks. We called it hunting pucks. You hunt pucks. I don't care about your position. You're seven. I don't care. We're not doing a left wing lock. We're not We're not locking it down. I said, we're... I love it. I love it. Back and we're hunting pucks, right? We go hard after it. We're gonna, and when you get it, you do not stand still. You move, and everybody scored on our team, and everybody had a great time, and we were fun to play against. Like we smashed some teams. I felt bad, right? And we beat a team. Like I, I did keep score one time, and I, it was like the only time I kept score. We played, we played, we beat a team like sixty-three to nothing. Oh, right? you're evil! Like, it was evil. Bad. You're evil. Right? Like, guilty right it was four on four and it's half ice right but we just absolutely decimated the team just because we would hunt pucks and they would stand still and kind of pass it over and i was like no hunt the puck start skating and then when you get into this situation i want you to pass it over here right or you can see i give them options so we start to create more of a thought process not just shoot it off the boards and go get it right Right. So nobody likes that. And you look at kids and they're bone dry at the end of it. And they're not, they're, you know, it's, nothing's happened for them. But yeah. you, you talk to kids and, and, and you go, you get, you get two or three praises about things you actually accomplish, regardless of it. But if I keep going to kids, hey, really good job, really good job, really good job, really good job, really good job. You're really good. They didn't do it all perfect. Yeah, no. The, the, the substance and the strength of that compliment is yeah. it means something it's because they did it yeah. it's not just me patting them on the head going nice work Jenny and yeah. then I'm just eating off it's like did you see what I did did you see what you did yeah. that is so much better you see the difference and then they get that cognitive reaction of going okay this is good now it works. I have found it works on 95% of kids. The other 5% don't want to play the sport. That's fine, right? And then, then good, but as long as you're getting exercise, I, I, I'm not going to doubt it. Like I always tell the older kids, like my daughter's team, I'm like, if I'm yelling at you, that means I care. Right. Because when I stop yelling at you, like, and I'm not yelling profanities at them or anything like that, but if I if I stop yelling at you, it's probably because I've quit on you. Yeah. Right? You, you, you've let me know that this is not for you. Yeah. This, this, this is fine. Whatever way, we, we've tried it the easy way. We've tried it the hard way. We've tried it the informative way. We've tried it the encouraging way. We, we've tried it every which way. 
but you quite clearly do not react well to any of this. So this is probably not the sport for you. Exactly. And that's fine. But I, like with the older guys, we get such a great reaction out of guys when they, like I've had kid guys come up to me that you know, will say, hey, you didn't yell at me today. Are you, are you mad at me? Like, have you? You didn't yell, you didn't yell at me. Are you mad? And he wasn't like yelling your garbage or anything like that, right? It's more like, hey, instead of pivoting that way, you got to go this way. And being intense about it, like it does matter, right? And, and as you can tell, I can get worked up on this stuff, right? And, and so, it, but it's like, because I'm paying attention to you doing your job, right? And these guys want to get drafted in the NHL, Division One scholarships, drafted in the Western Hockey League, drafted, drafted to the, the NHL, go play in Europe, whatever it is. Right, sign a sign a pro deal, right? Like they they want that feedback, but what I find is that the really good ones want to be pushed. Okay, instead of this, do that. Instead of that, do that. Add in another layer. Once you got this down, I want to add in another layer. I want to I want to create something new, and but we don't do that until they're sixteen or seventeen. And this is something I put to the listeners. You tell me, in whatever sport you're in, you tell me, do, do you get faster or better after the age of 18, right? Like I know in hockey, if you're 18 years old, you're probably not going to be faster at 30, right? <laughs> you're not going to be faster at 25 or 26, right? Like it's, it's, just, it's just human evolution. It's just natural. You're going to get slower. Right? Your mechanics aren't going to get better. Malcolm Gladwell calls it the golden age of learning. What you learn between the ages of basically 8 to 13, depending on a girl or a boy. So it fluctuates a year each way for a girl and a boy. But he calls it the golden age of learning because that's the age where you can take instruction and not feel sad, right? And feel kind of bullied, right? Or crying. You can understand self-correction. You can understand self-determination. And you can, and, and, but you can still work at it without being exhausted because you have some muscle structure, right? But so if you have a bad skating stride between the ages of eight and 13, I'm going to tell you something. When you're 17, you're still going to be a bad skater. You might clean it up a little bit, but you're still going to be bad. The muscle memory will, will have seeped in. You, you, you can't, it's like every quarterback that doesn't make it in the NFL, Tim Tebow can't throw, he can throw in college terrible release in the NFL, right? It, it, it's interesting because, you know, some of the things that you're sharing right now are like beyond golden nuggets, right? And and, and we're going to have a lot of athletes listen to this. And when they're listening to this, right, with all of the information you're sharing for them, with them, as for their parents and, 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 and other people who are, are sports enthusiasts that listen to us, um, I want to really hone in on something here, and I guess my, my, my point that I want to hone in is, as you're educating people on this, talk a little bit about what athletes might be assuming they know but don't know. There are things that they miss along yeah. their ways as they're moving on in sport. You know, some of the things that they maybe not um, give enough credit to or things that maybe they just don't know is of their value when you're, yeah. you know, assessing them down the road. Yeah. One of the, again, I was 
they, I know you gave me that question earlier and, and I was really thinking about it. And one of the things I can speak, like, like in, in football and baseball, like baseball's a little bit like hockey that way. NBA certainly, well, even now you still got to play one year of college, right? Um, with the, like in hockey with a draft of 17 year old kids you got seven, 18 year old kids playing in the NHL right and it's it's not rare like it's pretty common um, 18, 19 years old you're in the NHL you know and that's a lot like college basketball in, uh, in, in going into the NBA not a lot of not a lot of 18 year olds in major league baseball right they'll be in the minors but they're not going to be in the, in the big leagues and in college football, you can't go until you're 20, I think it is, or turning 21. Right. But one of the things I find that players really struggle with is the process, right? Like, understand, same thing we go to the practice, right? Like A to B, but you went to C. Yeah, no, no, I got it. I understand. Well, you know, because you just did it, right? You're still screwing it up. It's the, okay, so... I'm 14, I get drafted to the Western Hockey League, I play one year in midget, then I go to the Western League. If I don't go to the Western League at 16, I get a Division One scholarship, I play one year in midget triple, and then I go play junior at 16 or 17 years old, and then I play two years of junior, and then I go to college, I play four years, or three or four years of college, hopefully graduate early, and then go play pro. Okay. 90% of that's not going to work. Why? <laughs> <laughs> But why I put that somewhere? I, I, I saw it on Twitter. One of my players, one of my friends did it. So I want to do that. Okay, well, you're not your friend, right? Like, everybody's got a different path. And nobody wants to have that path. But it's the urgency. Parents are like that. I do have parents now who I love to death. But it's kind of this fatalism. Oh, my God, the whole world's over. I got a kid. There's a kid, and he'll listen to this and his parents. And I can kind of give the parents crap a little bit about it. But they're like... He got drafted late, but he's a really smart kid. He got drafted late in the Western League. He's probably should have been drafted really early, right? Drafted late in the Western League. I had a school come out and look at him in, uh, in Midget, his first year Midget, his first game of the season, actually. They came out and watched. They watched four shifts. They're like, he's the only kid that can skate. We'll take him. This is our offer. They didn't even stick around to the end of the game to offer it to him. They're like, yeah, you can offer it to him. I'm like, what? So they met with the coach, met with the parents, gave him the deal, and then he left, right, to basically fly back home to, to the Northeast. And the parents are like, Pete, you got to tell him. I'm like, no, nah. I, I found him after the game. They're cooling down. I'm like, you got to come with me. So I grab him, and, and I'm like, your parents want to tell you something. And his parents told him, like, hey, they just offered you a scholarship, a really good offer, right? Division one, the coach is even there. Coach wants to know that if you'll take it, basically think about it for 48 hours and let me know. Okay, fine. So oh, 15 years old, right? Been 15 for about two months at that time, right? Really young. Plays midget, makes midget triple A, has a decent year, has a decent year midget triple A. And then, okay, we want him to go, we want him to play, you know, we want him to play junior next year. So I get him a team in BC. And as a 16 year old, and that's a hard league to play in at 16. It's a good a powerhouse team, but it's a really good setup for him. So he goes and plays there, has a decent year, plays again this year, has a great year, 
at one point the hottest player in the league ends up getting hurt twice misses playing for team canada junior a um like just like just two really bad timing injuries and he probably would have been drafted this year right but it's like it's this fatalism with oh my god he's not playing well enough he's not getting 10 points tonight he's not doing this he's not it's like relax He's he's still the youngest kid on the team, and he's been there for this is his second year. He's still the youngest kid on the team. He could still play three more years of junior, right? And it's like enjoy it. They like, just enjoy it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it works, it works. But we're so more about you're not performing, and we're so much more about oh my god, what is everybody else doing? that we don't enjoy the ride, right? We don't, we don't enjoy the, the process, right? Like, they, I, I have kids that their parents will go out and see them play like 60% of the games and they're not in town, right? I don't understand that. I had parents who couldn't make it to my games in minor hockey and they had a drive, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom even saw me play my very first pro game she saw me play my very first pro game and left before the game was over because she had to catch a flight home. Right? My dad didn't even see me play professional hockey until the second year, right? They, because they're busy, right? My dad saw me play one time in junior and then they, I played in Vegas and he's like, this is the only place I've ever wanted to come. <laughs> right? like, it was it. They have a good right? snack shack here. I like their yeah. snack shack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but it was, it was that, right? Like it's, but now you got parents to, but I think that's part of it too, right? Like, the, the, <laughs> really good, you, you put a really good point on it. Like, 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 like again, to, to sum up your, your incredible insight, in, in the nugget again that you're giving people is in, enjoy the process and, and, and enjoying the process what that tells me as well is you're showing the passion yeah you're showing the passion because to me I think it, you, you obviously have to have the skill set to yeah. prove to anybody that you're you're able not even worth just able to move yeah. but yeah. You're, you're touching base on right now that I think is so whole, whole huge. And it's something that I hear every single coach bring up in one way or another. If I talk to 20 coaches in different sports, just this week alone, easy. 80% of the conversation that, conversations I've had, the same word came up again and again and again, and that was compete. Yeah. And, and, and what you can tell when you've had enough of these conversations and been around these people long enough, and you just know the know. If you don't have the skills, you don't have the ability, you're not going to be even looked at. We know that. Yeah. But that defining thing that you're saying in a nice way, enjoy the ride. Enjoy yeah. the ride to me says enjoy the process of competing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Go back to the roots of when you're coaching the little kids and saying, let's go hunt pucks. Let's yeah. enjoy going 100 miles an hour. Let's enjoy holding on the puck. Let's enjoy the work. Let's enjoy yeah. that. If you can enjoy the ride and continue yeah. to apply that lesson that coach gave you when you were a little kid, to me, that's showing passion, showing yeah. intensity, 
and it's showing compete. Yeah. How do you compete? But that's life, right? Like that's I, I, like you, you gotta think, think people are gonna ask you in a job interview, what what have you overcome? Right? Like what have you what are some big issues you've had to deal with? Right. right. Yeah. A challenging moment in your life. Yeah. How do you deal with it? It's right. it's ranked in the top ten of interview questions. But Yeah. And, and a lot of kids don't know how to answer that, right? You move away from home at 16 years old. That's a huge thing. People don't understand how hard that is. And then it's news, and kids don't move around very much anymore, right? Well, so, and so you, you're not you're not moving. Like I, I like I was born in Montreal, lived in Sarnia, lived in Red Deer. I went to, I like I went to junior high with with different kids and I went to elementary school with, I went to a, two different junior highs in Edmonton and a, two different, and then I played junior hockey after that. So I went to five different high schools. So you, but you would talk to kids now moving like, like eight feet from where they were born is a significant move, right? It is, right. Now a kid moving away from home is a big deal, right? Cause like, oh man, I don't know how many times I go visit my kid. I'm like, Christmas? Like, I don't like I don't get it, right? And 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 that's and that's on me. Like I come from a different family, and in terms of that stuff, but the, the, that that sixteen-year-old that got the scholarship, right, or fifteen-year-old when he got a scholarship, he's had a he's had a really good career. He's going to be a very good hockey player, and and he's going to be have a great college. He's built for college. The the problem is is that he's growing up with a group of people that. That, that have had an easier time, right? He's had to grind for it a little bit, but he's also a better student than those kids. Mm. And, huge. and so he puts a lot of effort into a lot of stuff, right? And and so it's like, but he plays in a harder league. Right. And, and so it's, it's something where the, the school's exceptionally happy with the way he's playing. They want him to play more, but it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, it might take him an extra year okay who cares but it becomes a little bit of ego it becomes ego on parents who's like oh they're bragging about their kid and they're bragging about their kid i'm like who cares you don't like the people anyway so who gives a rip yeah right like and that's what i don't understand about people like this one thing i'll say in hockey and i don't know what it's like in other sports imagine it's exactly the same the amount of false friendships you have and this is probably getting a lot of hate now but the amount of false friendships there are in, in like I can certainly speak to Hockey. Like it is terrifying. I'll get people that will talk to me and go, I hate that person. I can't stand their kid. I don't like that parent. That they're crazy. I they're just nuts. Like, okay, I don't really care. Right? I said, well, all right. But then the next weekend you'll see that person that just told me that sitting with those people. Right, being being, oh yeah, you're great. I'm like, what? They, you, but that, but you know, in that car ride home, going, oh man, I can't stand those those parents, or I can't yeah. stand those kids. Right? Oh, it, it, it's so huge about what you're saying, right? And 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 this is a lesson for everyone to kind of tune into. Um, you know, my mom used to say this to me when I would get into those modes, right? Those mm-hmm. Because someone really smart, someone really wise. Who, who first started giving us hockey information? Yeah, started explaining to my mother 
couple things. One, you're playing a sport where it's the only sport that you can't run out of bounds. Yeah. So be careful who you say and what you do because it will come back to you. Mm -hmm. But number two, it's the only sport on the planet with youth that that you can get traded. Sport on the planet, and people don't know that. But no. it tied into my mom's when she really understood that, right, and came over the anxiety of where could this go for her little one, right? Yeah. She would apply life lessons. Uh, uh, away from hockey, away from sport, to to sport, and she'd say things like this: "Be careful of the asses that you kick on your way up, because one yeah. day will be the asses that you have to kiss." Yeah. Back. And yeah. and this is where where people just don't, they don't understand that, right? They, they 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 don't get it, and it amazes me that it's like that, because what I see less and less of is is that. You know, I, I, I live in this town, I grew up in this town, I play for this town and own this town. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's soccer, baseball, hockey, football, whatever, right? Like, I mean, how many ticker tapes I've seen in the past five weeks alone on ESPN of guys entering your senior year transferring to another school, I can't count yeah. that. So, so no, no. When you have that mentality of, oh, I'm going to go chase a letter, or I'm going to go chase a uniform, or whatever, right? How you could embody that, knowing that you could be playing with that? Yeah. Or it just doesn't mm -hmm. make my mind. But anyhow, I'll make sure. I got one more question for you, because I've taken sure. this hostage for a while now. Yeah. I'm going to have to get the wheels off of this thing. So, so I can tell you, you know, um, again, one of the things that, that's, that, that I love with you and I is we're passionate about what we do and who we do. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's it's not like we're out there doing it with our kid per se. But yeah. I tell you with all the things that we've talked about and they cross over and mm -hmm. in every sport, you know, if you could change one thing about sports as we know it, you know, okay. what would you do? What would it be? Well, there's lots, but I can't be the czar of all sports just yet, so I'm working on it. I'm putting a, I have a plan together. It's it's aggressive, but I'm working on it. Um, Got to have a lot of moving parts. But one of the things, and what's funny about that question is, uh, an old teammate of mine lives in Philly. He he does he does some skill work stuff in Philly, so he works with some high end guys out of there, and and uh, but his specialty is shooting, right? And he sent me, he gave me a call on Monday, actually. And he's like, just want to check in, see how you're doing and stuff. And and, uh, and we, we always end up talking about hockey and what we're doing and, and how he's doing. And because it's crazy. Like, I haven't seen him since 01. And we just then, you know, we've been friends ever since, right? First time we ever met, I beat the wheels off him in a fight. Got traded to me, like, the next, traded back to my team in Nashville, in, like, the next week. But, um, Oh, scary, right? like how apropos that story is yeah. from what we just spoke about, right? You can't make that yeah. up. Yeah, no, literally, we, we fought, we, we fought twice, and then in that game, and then he got traded to the team. Then we were best friends, right? So it's crazy, but but we were talking, and uh, and he's like, you know what, I really can't stand, and I was thinking about this too. He goes, I can't stand the verbiage in sports from all these small guys. And I'm like, oh, you have no idea how much it pisses me off. And you, but like, I'll take one from football. So this is from a football guy. Um, 
So this is a picture, and I don't want to show the guy's name or anything, but basically it's two kids about 12 years old, and they're just basically playing kind of tag, right? The only two kids on this huge indoor facility, so they're paying for it, right? Probably $800, and this is what it says verbatim. This is what it says. Here's a strategy we, a strategy we use to introduce decision-making exploration and creativity all of our activities include a human stimulus but a tactic we follow early on is to limit the amount of kinematic info and utilize a generic stimulus to challenge perceptual cognitive abilities okay you name me a 10 year old that understands that like that's right Hauser can understand that yeah it's like, you know what, my, my buddy brought, Jeff Frankel's his name in Philly, and he brought up a great point. He goes, I have two family members with cancer. He goes, the last thing I want is a doctor to come in and rattle me off all the cancer problems in cancer terminology. Oh, my God, yes. Like, I don't want that. He goes, explain it to me. Explain it to me so I understand. I did not go to medical school. I am not a practicing medical doctor, right? And, and I'm like, that's a great way of putting it. And it's true. Like we use such verbiage to make ourselves seem so, in my business, to seem so more self-important. Now, I understand what they're doing, but nobody understands it. But it sounds cool. But you can charge more because you can talk like that. But do you think those 10-year-olds understand that? Well, let, let me just say this, right? You know, when I ask you that question, it, it's amazing because I, I – you you wouldn't know this, but you have just hit out of the park for me um, this topic that I've had in classes that I've taught in hockey, and, and, and I'll come back to verbiage. Like, I've never even understood the verbiage that we use in the game of hockey. And as a goalie, maybe it's because I'm hyper-tentative, right? But two guys come down the ice. One guy's got the puck. I have a defenseman and myself in net. Why is that a two-on-one? Yeah. How is it not a two-on-two? Two? Yeah. When we're shorthanded, the other team has five guys on the ice and we have four guys and a goalie. Isn't that still five guys playing against five guys? Never could well, understand that. Yeah. Never could yeah. understand that, right? Yeah. But the first guys who came up with that terminology, they're the same yeah. guy who says, well, you know, in the playoffs, the most valuable guy is... The guy we don't even talk about on a two-on-one yeah. all year long. Yeah. Or the guy we don't talk about on a penalty kill all year long, yeah. right? So maybe this is all the therapy that I've gotten as a goalie coming on now. It comes back to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. You understand the words coming out of my mouth, right? Like, yeah. and what, what, are we, what are we talking about? It's the verbiage of what? Yeah, the thing. Einstein talks about to really know a subject is to be able to explain it to a layman and that that they could understand. So my greatest way of looking at it is, you know the TV show uh, Nova on PBS? Yes. Right? So Neil deGrasse Tyson's on it a lot. So they can explain to somebody who loves Nova and loves science but is not a scientist, they can explain evolution, they can explain the Big Bang Theory. They can explain black holes. They can explain quantum physics to a person like me. Okay, but I got this I got this clown out here 
talking about literally the most nonsensical way of playing tag there is. But I want to charge you $700 for my awesomeness, right? I love it. I love that's it. What, that's what kids fall for, and that's what parents fall for, right? Like, people always rip me, like, oh, on your Twitter, you always have a spelling mistake. I'm like, yeah, that's what, because when I tweet something, mentally, I've already moved on halfway through the tweet. Like, this is all muscle memory at this point. I'm moved on. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, buddy. We're the same. We're the same. We're the same. I don't. I don't look at the comments. I move on. I don't, yeah. I don't need some troll. If you got a, you got a problem, call me. My name, my number's on the website. Give me a call. Yeah. Right. God bless but you. But people want to be, you know, Twitter tough guys, right? Oh, that's a garbage comment, or that's a garbage lift, or whatever. I'm like, all right. I, I don't know who you are, nor do I care. Right. right? You're not in my life. Nor, if I need you to help me move, will you help me move? I don't care. So you're double useless to me, right? You're double useless. And it's so funny. I gotta tell you, I gotta cut you off. No, just hold on, just hold on. You you can't come to my house with your micro mini car and and take my house plant. Like, I need something more, right? But I'll give you another one. This is a this is from a hockey guy. So the last one's a football guy. So this is a hockey guy, right? From change of direction skills uh, for hockey by so and so, right? Strength training for sports performance should be coordin- coordinating coordination training with resistance. Training shouldn't be maximizing loading with secondary consequences such as reducing the rotational ability of athletes. I understand what they're saying. Don't get stiff when you lift, right? Don't get so strong that you don't, you, you lose all your range of motion, right? Like, it, it's absolutely mind-numbing. I would put something like that, and I would want somebody to come over to my place and beat the wheels off me for being an idiot, right? I can't say it. People are just... But they fall for it, and I feel bad for people. I can only imagine what it's being like for a quarterback, right? The quarterback specialization, the wide receiver stuff, and all that. And it's just like, so my buddy sent me one where it was quite funny because he sends me one where uh, he he was he was showing me the. Uh, he sends me he sends me one of the things from a coach's site. Space spacing makes ice less crowded, giving attackers a singular check to beat instead of multiple ones. So a at a place on spreading the defense to create scoring chances. So this comes from uh, an NHL guy, and so I I texted back. You mean open ice and don't don't follow the puck. He's like. Getting open, new concept. He goes, that's from an NHL player. <laughs> that's what it is. Get open. Don't stand around people, right? And but we we want to put we want to put bows and ribbons and and put it on a video and use this all stuff. But I always ask kids, how many games you watch? Like how many games? You're a football player. How many games of football do you watch? And what are you watching? Basketball, baseball, soccer, hockey. I always ask kids, what are you watching? Like, I'll take little clips off my phone with the TV. That's about as intricate as I get in video, right? But I'll, I'll rewind it and I'll, I'll, I'll record on my phone and I'll send it to the guys. I'm like, hey, what do you guys see here? Because I, I want their response, right? right. 
What do you see? And they're like, oh yeah, I never saw that. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's what we do on our morning skates. Or that's what we do, like that, that's what this exercise, or I'll, I'll ask, what exercise translates to this net outcome on the ice? Oh, when we do that exercise, or we do this. But those guys aren't all in on this, right? They want to do it by video, and they want to do it easy. They want to get eight of you out there, or get two of you out there and charge you a thousand bucks, and use cool terminology and it's like eh, right like, like we don't we we've come to a point in society where we want to justify what we charge to do what we do yes right they if we can charge more it's not hard for me to go and get a really high-end kit it isn't it usually sucks because they're they're usually not a great worker, right? Mm. You you can get a high end kid, but most of them don't pan out, right? So so I want kids that you know want to work and learn and get challenged and and challenge me, right? I don't want a kid just oh, fuck, I don't care, right? It doesn't matter, but they really struggle with you know like. Oh, well, if I got so-and-so, if I get player X as one of the high-end kid, I look like a champion because I put him in whatever, or I did this, or I did that. Like, I got a kid, I got a kid a scholarship. So at the end of the year, this year, so so I called the school, and I said, this is a really good player. The coach called the kid, watched some videos, like, yeah, we'll take him. I'm like, great, here's the number, call him, get off him. <laughs> at the end of the kid's meeting, as exit meetings with his coach, so he, the coach, so the kid calls and goes, what should I ask? You know, ask what school is he's called for you? He's had you for the entire year, new coach, entire year. You're a good player. What schools does he call? This is what the coach says. So kid asks, exit meeting, end of the year, no more games, right? Playoffs over everything. Kid asks, coach, I just out of curiosity, what, what schools have you called for me? He goes, well, what schools are you interested in? I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. You're what I'm gonna do is next week I'll like I'll put some videos together and we'll send them out to schools, and I'm like right there is your problem. The, and but you know what? When he announced his commitment, man, that team was really really high on you know announcing that he was committed. Right? They did zero work for him, zero. And yeah, but that's yeah. the thing. So yeah, I talked yeah. to these. And so I talk to a lot of these kids, but when they when the coach talks to them, they'll use verbiage like character and determination and sacrifice, and they'll use stuff that they have no intention of helping you. They're not going to be determined to help you. They're not going to sacrifice one minute of time to help you, right? They're not going to do any of that. And that's but that whole verbiage thing. If I could change verbiage, like add in honesty, right? Add in honesty. You know, like there's some great coaches out there. Don't get me wrong. There's some really good ones and guys I really respect. And there's a whole bunch. I I couldn't care less if they're ever involved in the game. And and that's fine. And and that's not a big deal. But you know, it's and I don't get along with everybody. But just because I don't get along with you doesn't mean I don't think you're a good coach. I can separate artists from art, right? Yes. But the verbiage teams use and the fear mongering and the oh you, you, this sounds really cool oh god it's so bad 
and it drives me nuts because it confuses kids. You're using, and most of the guys don't even use the words correctly, which yeah. really, and I'm not a wordsmith, but I'm reading that going, really? That makes sense. Did you read that? Because I never reread my tweets, but you spent a lot of time doing that, and that's the thing that you think is going to attract, but people fall for it. It's a sales pitch. Right. Corinthian leather, remember that? They made it up, right? It's a made up word. The, the, the car industry made it up because it sounds cool. Yeah, it's not a place, it's not a thing, it's just leather, right? But we don't, we don't, we don't take into effect, oh, it sounds cool, it's flash. Okay, what's your substance? And I would tell any player, whether you're any sport, look for substance. Don't look on the, don't, don't look on social media for substance. Find who's going to help you. I can't help every kid, and I get that. You can't help everybody, and I get that. But there's other really good people out there, and there is far too many, there are far too many people out there who just want your money. When I always tell kids, you want to go train at that other place? Fine. If you get cut on that Sunday and you're sitting in the parking lot in God knows where, Alberta, BC, or Saskatchewan, who's the first guy you're going to call? when you get cut on Sunday and you don't have a place to play. The guy you're training with is spending 1200 bucks a month because he doesn't know anybody. Let me guess, your first call is gonna be to me because you're gonna need help now, right? And that's what I tell kids. I'm like, don't call me when you get cut. Right. I want it easy because I will, risk my, I will not risk my reputation on your laziness, right? It's amazing, like, like the words that you're sharing right now, buddy, it's just as much of, of uh, oh God, a ton of information being given to the athlete as it's to the parent, right? an educated parent. Yeah. You know, buddy, I, I can say this to you. I, um, we're definitely going to do this again. Definitely. Yeah. I can already see the comments that we're going to get doing this. And and one of the things that we definitely got to get you more definitely is with my colleague Peter who the, the Instagram live. And sure. uh, you, you actually would have been a, an interesting one uh, yesterday. Yesterday, he had the owner of this really cool facility in Burlington, uh, Ontario. That's um, an MMA uh, gym. Nice. And, and this guy is tough as nails. He's a great yeah. guy. And he's, um, he's up and down with the UFC. And, and had yeah. he, he was a part of things that he was talking about. He said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, buddy, listen, I got to say thank you so much for today. We're going to do this again. We're going to do this yeah. and, and I can't thank you enough. And you know how much I love it. Thank you. Yeah. No, hey, and if any of your listeners have any any questions or whatever, um, they need any help with anything, um, Steve at theinsideedge.net or theinsideedge.net, you can get a hold of me. And then whatever I can do to help will always help, right? And But at the end of the day, just grind. Worry about you and grind. And if you can do that, if you don't find the sacrifice fun, nothing's going to work. But if you do, there there is a payoff. Whatever that is, there is a payoff. God bless you. You're the best. I love you, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Okay. Bye.